Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Oh Entertainment. Music. Pop culture. LGBT plus news. Oh Let's go there. Start now. Hello. Happy Monday. Thanks for hanging out with us. We are Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Hope you had a great weekend too. Are you tired? Mm, no, I slept a lot yesterday. Oh, you did? Yeah, so if anything, I have like jet lag because you know they say if you let yourself sleep in on the weekends. Yeah. And you know, you get you get back to your regular day-to-day schedule during the week. You give yourself like jet lag. Interesting. Isn't that interesting? Is it actually jet lag since you weren't on a jet? No. <laughs> well, it's like the same reaction you have when you travel and get jet lag because it's almost like you're not keeping up the same hours of sleep. Right, right. Right? So it's like timing wise, it's like I'm in a different place. I do always feel that way. Like every, anytime I actually go out, which I feel like I went out every single day except for Sunday. Um, which is I always, only one day. No, I went, fr- I went out Friday, <laughs> Friday night. Friday night. Yes, yeah. I went out Friday night. Got very turned up. Okay. Shout out to my one of a local bar out here, Los Angeles. Akbar is open and is fun. I recommend it to anyone outside of L.A. Please you come visit. Support, support. If you're in L.A., go to Akbar. It's just Got a it. vibe. It was really nice. Um, and yeah, I just always feel like I need an extra day after like doing something on yeah, the weekend. Yeah, that makes sense because you're, one, we're not used to socializing because of the pandemic. Not at then all. you add that and it is it takes an emotional and physical toll. I was out and about on Saturday. Yeah, you were kissing your boyfriend on Instagram. Okay. It. it was a photo booth. Gross. It was an art piece. <laughs> that photo was an art piece. Did you Actually, just give yourself compliment yourself as an art piece? Um, so then Sunday, yeah, I like slept half the day, but then I'm like, okay, back to regular schedule. So advice Wake up at the same time every day. It will help you. Yeah, you should, for sure. You know, although we do want to promote self-care here. Listen, (laughs) coming up, Ryan's interview with Demi Lovato. That's at 425 p.m. Pacific, 725 p.m. Eastern. Which, oh my God, I've got tagged in so much of those. Like, there's a lot of, I I mean, I'm pretty shocked. I mean, the Daily Mail, it even made it its way to Facebook. Like, I had family members tagging me in the Daily Mail Australia post. Oh my God. Where people were just, like, railing against Demi, which is awful. But the interview is really great. I'm super excited that everyone gets to tune in. And listen, if you haven't watched it already. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, But now let's get into some what's trending this hour. Uh, unanimous Supreme Court said today that student athletes could receive education-related payments. And here's Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Our view is that, of course, uh, NCAA student athletes uh, work very hard 
both on the athletic field and in the classroom. Uh, I'm a retired one myself. Um, and today's decision recognizes that, as with all Americans, their hard work should not be exploited. And the president believes that everyone who works should be compensated fairly for his or her labor. Our view. Now, let's move on to what happened in Fort Lauderdale, Florida this weekend. The driver of a pickup truck that struck two men, killing one at a pride parade in Florida, was connected to the Fort Lauderdale Gay Men's Chorus, and so were the victims. And this comes from the group's president. The truck was to be part of the chorus's entry in the Stonewall Pride Parade in Wilton Manors. Uh, they said our fellow chorus members were those injured, and the driver is also part of the chorus family. This was not an attack on the LGBTQ community. Yeah, but... If you read more about the story, they said about the driver, he was art like he was kind of he was elderly and he was already kind of dealing with some ailments and things like that. So my thing is, why would y'all put this man behind the wheel? Well, that's another. Question. I mean, that is, but it's just it's it's a really sad, tragic yeah. moment. But when I read that story, I can't I can't help but be like, uh, maybe that wasn't the best decision. All right, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be very honest here. I'm not trying to be ableist or anything. Because I really think... Or ageist. You know, I mean, but they those were... A lot of news outlets said elderly, and he had ailments. Those were the two words that I saw. Okay. Just well, say it. That was what's trending this hour, what's happening in entertainment news, Ryan. And I think I read that on, like, a um, an NPR. I think they said it. I'm just saying. Blame it on NPR. Okay, so Jazz Jennings is opening up about her struggle with binge eating disorder, our bed, after gaining um, a substantial amount of weight. It is time for the T-Report, those pop culture stories trending right now. So Jazz Jennings, we all know her as a transgender activist. She's been on TV most of her life. Uh, she was one of the first trans kids that we've seen in such a public way, talking about her experience of being trans and also seeing her family side of things. Well, she's 20 now. And she posted some before and after photos on Friday, sharing that she gained almost 100 pounds in a little less than two years after she holds herself accountable to change. Mm. She says, as many of you have noticed over the past few years, I have gained a substantial amount of weight. Um, my binging, along with an increased appetite I experienced from some of the meds I'm on, has caused me to gain almost 100 pounds in a little less than two years. I'm posting this photo because it's time for me to address my weight gain and hold myself accountable. Accountable. But also, I'm hoping that she's doing that in the sense of not trying to please her followers or please the people who are following her because she's not the size, whatever, that she like society would deem her to be acceptable. I, I know she wrote a very long statement. You should head over to WeirdChannelQ.com to check it out because I think it's very interesting um, and that she's being vulnerable in this way. And so we're going to follow her along this journey, mm -hmm. but it takes a lot of bravery and courage to, to do this and do it in such a way that is so public. And so we're sending yeah. her tons of love. And that is your tea report. Okay, well, stick around because we'll be back with more of Let's Go There right after this. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. The iconic Stonewall Inn is banning beers manufactured by Anheuser-Busch after it was revealed the company has donated over $35,000 to anti-LGBTQ state-level politicians. Here to share more is Bill Browning, editor-in-chief at LGBTQ Nation. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. So why are they doing this now? Has this been public knowledge for a while? Uh, well, it, it seems like one of the big themes this year for the first Pride after the pandemic has been all of the rainbow washing from the various companies that, you know, it's awesome to change your, your Twitter logo with a rainbow on it, but what are they actually funding? 
And several companies have now been kind of put into the limelight, and Hauser Bush is is one of them. Uh, they've donated over thirty five thousand dollars to local legislators who have been advancing anti LGBTQ legislation lately. I always wonder, um, how do you find that out? Like, how is that like public knowledge? Like, you can just go somewhere and Google it and look it up. <laughs> it's a it's a little more difficult than that. <laughs> uh, the it, there have been several different reports. That's one of the things that the media has actually been really good about this year uh, is so many different people kind of digging into the same story, but coming at it from different sides. And uh, I know like John Legume did a big piece on uh, 25 companies, uh, his separate one, and he used followthemoney.org. Uh, but one of the things that makes this really difficult is actually trying to track the money uh, just because it's not necessarily coming from the business, uh, like a direct Anheuser-Busch check that comes to someone. Uh, they have their own employee packs. They have their own corporate packs. They have, you know, all the various different mechanisms that they use to shove money at politicians. Um, and it gets really difficult to be able to actually follow all of the money that's going so this $35,000, uh, that's probably just the tip of the iceberg. And that uh, only counted state-level politicians and not national politicians. Interesting. And you also called out Human Rights Campaign's annual corporate equality index in an article about this. Why are people saying that they are providing inaccurate information? Uh, look, to, to be frank, HRC's corporate equality index is just a sham. Um, they give out points, and if the companies certify that they are doing X, Y, and Z, they give them great points. Together, you can get a perfect score if you have all of these, you know, policies that are on the books. Um, they never check, and they don't take any points away, even if it's blatant that the companies aren't following it. Uh, I used Walmart in that example, uh, who was under, like, they were facing a class action lawsuit, had already lost several discrimination cases from LGBTQ people, and they still managed to get a perfect score. Um, Anheuser-Busch, perfect score. Uh, Some of the other companies that are like AT&T, perfect score, gave $500,000 to different politicians that have like held up the Equality Act or were actually actively pushing stuff like the laws in Arkansas that forbids trans kids from actually getting health care from a doctor. Like, AT&T and some of those rainbow wash logos, that's who's paying for that legislation. And HRC's Corporate Equality Index, hey, thumbs up. They're an awesome place, aren't they? Because they have policies that say they don't discriminate. Yeah, so it seems like the, there needs to be accountability on a lot of different sizes here, sides here. So I'm seeing accountability, obviously, for these corporations, but even the the activists or the groups, the or LGBT organizations that have to hold these uh, organizations accountable <laughs> need to kind of do better. Is that something that we're seeing here, especially with the index? Because what's the point of an index if it's just going to give everyone a perfect score? Well, and let's let's also consider here, like, what's the dirty secret of the LGBTQ movement is that a lot of the forward momentum that we've seen has come after these corporations have finally said, no, it's actually okay to be gay or we support same-sex marriage. Sometimes the companies were actually leading the way. And when we're looking at it from another angle, most of these national organizations, they need money. 
And you can look at study after study that shows the LGBTQ community, like, God love us, but we're cheap. We do not donate to LGBTQ organizations. They're always consistently underfunded. So who's making up the gap? AT&T donates a lot of money to the LGBTQ community through all these various organizations. So is it any wonder that all these organizations somehow managed to find AT&T to be great, despite the fact they've you know, been shoveling hundreds of thousands of dollars to the very politicians that were using the money to fight? Yeah. Like, it's just, it, it's a circle. It's a very vicious circle. So, yeah, what could be done? Because obviously the money is needed. How do you hold these corporations accountable? But Well, also, you know, understandingly, if you need the money, you need the money. Or should should right. nonprofits be saying no? Well, and that's kind of the that's kind of the philosophical question, isn't it? Like, is is what you do with the money better than what you know they're using the other money? For? You know what I mean? Like, there's a great argument on both sides of that, and so far, no one has come to an answer. But I think right now, what we're seeing, at least for this Pride season, is that people just want corporations not to be awful. Yeah. That's and that's the bare minimum. Been, that's the bare minimum. Kind of a, yeah, kind of a bare minimum of just, could you please not fund people taking away the, my child's health care? <laughs> yep. Yeah, and I'm but also hoping something like... We can say that like, about Republicans for a while. Right, and I'm also hoping something like this doesn't blow back on, like, you know, the stone, like, uh, the Stonewall Inn, because obviously I feel like a lot of places make their money from the bar. And, you know, if the, the drinks aren't there, then are people going to want these same drinks? But if this type of situation is known, then I think everyone would understand. Well, and I think a lot of people forget, like, the Stonewall in, you know, what they're doing today and, and pointing out with Bud Light and, you know, some of the other beers. Uh, there's a long history of LGBTQ activists and gay bars and beers. Because let's not forget that one of the first things Harvey Milk did after being elected was lead the gay bars in a boycott of Coors Beer. So we have a long and storied history of boycotting beers inside of the LGBTQ community. And so... You know, kudos to the Stonewall End for keeping that up. Definitely. Well, that was Bill Browning, Editor-in-Chief at LGBTQ Nation. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. And stick around for more of the show after this. You're listening to Let's Go There. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Welcome back to the show. And the U.S. Catholic bishops approved a teaching document, that's what they're calling it, that many of them hope will rebuke Catholic politicians, including President Joe Biden, for receiving communion despite their support for abortion rights. And here to share more is Drexel Hurd, executive director of the Los Angeles County Democratic Party. And journalist, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me back. It's good to be with you both. Yeah. So what do you think about this very public decision? Does it seem very partisan on behalf of the Catholic bishops, a partisan decision. Well, that's the key word where it's partisan, right? Uh, the, the, the Catholic Church uh, is like 168 to 50 uh, voted to produce this document that has to be approved by the Vatican um, to eventually basically try to pressure the president uh, into something uh, that Democrats certainly believe uh, in a woman's right to choose. And, uh, you know, we know that the president has been the most openly faithful president since Jimmy Carter, not that the others were not of men of faith. Uh, but uh, the president goes to mass every Sunday uh, and has been very upfront about his uh, religious beliefs. Yeah, and I think what's interesting, I always thought that religion really, I mean, it's proven that it should not play a part in any type of government. <laughs> and so when you're seeing Joe Biden, our President Biden, go to mass, that is, that's Joe Biden. That's not the president there, right? I feel like there has to be this this moment of us separating who he is as his work and oftentimes his personal life. Is that something that we will ever see when it comes to something like this? Because it, it just feels like this is a really big decision. Well, I mean, like I said, all, all of this has to be approved up the, up the flagpole, but um, the proverbial flagpole. But the, the reality is, I think that there is a difference between religion, organized religion, and faith. And Joe Biden has been a man of faith. And uh, I think that's what we see every Sunday. Uh, what we see, uh, as Shira just said, which is the partisan side of the organized religion of the Catholic Church, we know where their money comes from, uh, and we know how they're going to operate. Uh, and that's exactly what they're being pressured to do, which is to pressure the president and the White House on abortion rights in the United States. Yeah, and like, why now? Because obviously this is something that has been passed a long time ago, even though the Republicans continue to fight it. But why would they take a stand on this now? Well, you got to look at what's happening in, uh, with the makeup of the Supreme Court right now. The more that this issue is out in the public, the more that it's likely that some case is going to go before the Supreme Court uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, that is going to have a big impact on Roe v. Wade uh, and, and, and what the conservative justices like Amy Coney Barrett are going to end up doing uh, in their decision. So the more that the, uh, the proponents... Uh, the pro-life proponents are out there banging the drums and pressuring the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church is pressuring the president. It stays in the news cycle, and here we are talking about it, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be the, the way that they're going to play this. I mean, what? Does the Pope have to say something? Because, I mean, Catholic, I feel like... They it, do. Like, I'm like, <laughs> the Pope should be speaking out against this in the sense of, you know, the Catholic Church is supposed to listen to the Pope, and if, they, if he does speak out, then could that possibly change this whole entire thing? Well, we saw the Pope at the beginning kind of talk about uh, same-sex marriage and, 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 uh, and what his personal position was, and then we saw that change 
uh, back to the more traditional uh, conservative way over the last, yes, last year and year and a half. And so I think that, you know, the Pope is going to ride the line of the church as best as, as he can. And uh, while he uh, might be softer than previous popes would have been. Are you worried that taking a stance around abortion, they could start taking a stance around other things that are dividing the country? Well, of course. I mean, that is the way that uh, conservatives do. They divide and conquer, even though they like to blame Democrats for that. They are very good at dividing the electorate uh, through fear tactics. Uh, In this case, uh, they're using a handful of um, uh, issues, particularly on abortion rights, uh, to fear monger people into doing uh, their bidding. So uh, that is definitely something that uh, folks are going to be watching. I won't necessarily say that Democrats are worried about it. Uh, but it's certainly something that we have to protect through legislation uh, and by winning elections, because elections have consequences. That is true. Well, Drexel Hurd, thank you again for joining us for this today. Of course, anytime. Talk to you. Uh, yes, talk to you. Drexel is a political analyst, executive director at the L.A. Democrats. Thanks again. Have a great day. Now coming up on the show, how this Florida bartender saves women from creeps. His strategy next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So a Florida bartender is being celebrated online for saving two women from a creepy customer by slipping one of them a note disguised as a receipt. And he says that he's used to fending off pervs with very weird vibes. So this is almost like an early Yaz Queen, okay? Mm -hmm. So this guy has been identified as Max Gutierrez and works at No Vacancy in St. Petersburg. And he's now a hero after a woman, Trinity Allen, shared the story on Twitter, praising him for what he did. So he's basically, um, he posed for a picture showing the note he handed to this woman, and the tweet went viral. His note said this, if the sky is bothering you, put your ponytail on your other shoulder, and I will have him removed. He's giving me the creeps. Well, here's the thing. What's interesting, one, shout out to this guy for doing everything. Um, I liked yeah. one of the, the comments underneath it. Not all heroes wear capes. Some wear Hawaiian shirts um, <laughs> yeah. because that's hilarious. But I did not know, little known fact, that a lot of bars do this. If you order an angel shot, oh. that is the, a code word for them to let, uh, it's basically to let you them know that you need help uh you'll kind of be escorted to a car taxi uber and if like anyone is like bothering you they'll actually take you personally and so maybe uh, most bars actually do do this so if you order that if you if you ever need help because you don't want to just be like i need help because that puts more attention on you of course there you go you you might you know the more you know I think this is so cool as well. Or just get the other person out of there. Why do you, if you're the victim, why do you need to leave? You know, but of course you might want to. Uh, So now he's been on Reddit detailing the whole thing uh, because now a lot of people have questions. He said, it's something you just pick up from mentor bartenders. So yeah, I guess this is a thing. He said, eventually you become pretty good at reading people's body language. So he said this guy was giving off very weird vibes for quite a while, kept an eye on him, tried to give him a chance, tried to let the girls tell him no and leave it at that. But he didn't take no for an answer and kept pestering them. So eventually I kind of yelled at him and made him leave. And he doesn't like yelling at customers or embarrassing people, but sometimes this is the best way to handle those creeps. Have you ever had that moment where you've like, like, and also, by the way, guys, my voice has been cracking this entire show. So please don't say anything. But, um... I, I do wonder, have you ever had those moments where you're like, I needed the bartender's help? Probably. 
feel like I've blacked out all those times. Do you remember? I feel like I've definitely dealt, I've dealt with creeps, but now I'm thinking about it, like I can't think of a specific instance where I was like that, in that of a bad scenario, but I feel like I have been. Yeah. So that's also questionable. Literally, when I went to Akbar, there was a, uh, a girl that I helped get a guy away from, like it was like an older guy, he was just like sitting there talking to her and she was like, kept giving me the eye, being like, I need help, I need help. And I literally, um, I was like, girl, hey, where have you been? I had pretended like I knew her and everything. No, that's the thing. When I'm alone or I'm just grabbing a drink alone or I'm hanging out alone, like this weekend I was hanging out just you know, on a grassy spot alone. And this guy kept on staring at me from the bench, like literally for 30 minutes. And I was really? be like, can you stop staring? Mm-hmm. So that is, that's a little awkward. You know what? Sometimes men are just weird. Like, people I, are just weird. Yeah. I mean, it's not just men, but like people are weird, but like, mostly just don't, you know, don't stare. You could like acknowledge someone and see something and you're like, oh, okay, that person's cute or a nice and beautiful person. But like, don't hang out just watching them. That is creepy. <laughs> it is. Let us know if this has happened to you at LGT shows where you can find us on social media. Coming up, veterans are now eligible to confirmation surgery. The latest announcement. More on what's trending this hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show today, uh, the problematic side of astrology for the queer community. That's in 30 minutes. Plus, Demi Lovato's interview with Ryan. Stick around for that at 425 p.m. Pacific, 725 p.m. Eastern. It's juicy. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. American Airlines was forced to cancel hundreds of flights this weekend due to significant staff shortages and maintenance issues. The airline says it will continue to cancel 50 to 80 flights a day well into July. Yikes. So if you have an American Airlines flight, you might want to, you know, schedule it with another airline. Now, the Department of Veterans Affairs is moving to offer transgender veterans gender confirmation surgery. And that comes from Secretary Dennis McDonough, who announced that at a Pride Month event in Orlando Saturday. The National Center for Transgender Equality estimates that there are more than 134,000 transgender veterans and over 15,000 transgender individuals serving in the military today. And the decision, he said, will allow transgender vets to go through the full gender confirmation process with VA by their side. He also referenced that there were higher rates of mental illness and suicidal thoughts among LGBTQ veterans and a fear of, dis- of discrimination that prevents those veterans from seeking care. So good on the VA for doing this. This is huge. And that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right, let's talk the Kardashian uh, reunion. Uh, the cur- the final curtain is, uh, I think the episode was titled. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. They had a Real Housewives-esque type of reunion with Andy Cohen hosting. Andy Cohen hosting. Wow. Producer Vanessa. <laughs> And um, it was really, really interesting because uh, one thing that obviously there was so much that stood out because they talked about 20 seasons worth of uh, of information and everything that's kind of going on. Well, Chloe finally talked about, you know, what everyone was asking her about is uh, plastic surgery. I feel like she's always been the the... I would say the victim of like body shaming of people asking what work she's gotten done. Well, she is finally admitting the work that she's gotten done. Here she is. One nose job, Dr. Raj Kanodia. And everyone gets so upset. Like, why don't I talk about it? It's no- So, yeah, she, she says she's gotten plastic surgery. She said she's also done, um, 
you know, the nose job situation, which is really interesting. They also talk about her and Tristan a lot uh-huh. as well. Um, but she also, she was like, no one's ever asked me about my plastic surgery. She's like, I've never not wanted to talk about it. She said that no one has literally ever. And really? she wants us to believe that Andy Cohen was the first person to ask her about the, oh. the her having ever any plastic surgery. She's like, I'm open about it. Why would I not speak about it? Um, which was really interesting. Uh, interesting. She's most definitely not on her third fr- face plan as everyone thinks she is. Face plants? I mean, transplant. Oh, my God. <laughs> You know what I mean. I you got know, it. You know well, what you know, I mean. It's interesting. Well, one, I feel like they all don't do a lot of interviews or do they? I mean, I guess these no, are profile they pieces or cover stories. They like to, uh, they like to control the narrative. And so I could see how maybe it's not like no one has asked. There was no opportunity for people to ask because they don't put themselves out there for interviews. And I wouldn't be surprised if their people have told the interviewer. You know, one, I need to see these questions or their limitations as to what they could ask. Well, the kicker was Andy Cohen, they gave him uh, free range. He was able oh, to yeah, ask sure. anything. And they and they also didn't, he said that they didn't um, get to look over any of their questions because they Good. trusted him. They've had several meetings before and they really, really trusted him. I mean, this interview covered from Kendall Jenner, you know, getting a, 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 a I mean, her modeling career, uh, Chris and, and, and Caitlyn Jenner, that whole thing, a lot of the fights that have gone on. I mean, it was actually not a bad reunion, to be honest, and it, it's a close. It was the end of an era for them, and that is your tea report I am done spilling on that. Maybe the last Kardashian story you'll hear from me. Hopefully. Okay. Let's pray about it. <laughs> All right, so during Pride Month, Ralphs and Food for Less are partnering with Channel Q and the Los Angeles LGBT Center to help fill the fridge for homeless LGBT. LGBT youth and seniors in need. Text FRIDGE to 20357 to donate. Um, Donations are being doubled by Ralph's uh, and Food for Less. Text FRIDGE to 20357. Do it right now. It's so easy. Well, coming up, how to tell if the way you and your partner fight is actually not okay. We help you next. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. So you know it's healthy to fight with your partner, but how do you know if the way that you're fighting is actually not okay? I find this actually really if you want to win. interesting. I don't know if that's I used okay. to always want to win my <laughs> arguments. That's why I'm still single. Okay, well there you go. You're your own therapist. Therapy, here. yes, I know. Therapy is uh, is really. Oh, is this think. what the therapist told you? You're telling yourself. Nah, well. Well, Dr. Rosaro <laughs> Teresi joins us right now, a certified sex therapist and director of the Long Island Institute of Sex Therapy in New York. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So when do you know if fighting is healthy versus unhealthy? So for my perspective, a fight is when people are throwing cheap shots at each other, mm. when they're purposefully trying to hurt each other. And an argument is something when people have different opinions and they want them to be heard. Yeah, so you're so saying a, a conversation slash maybe argument 
um, is, mm-hmm. is is not as much of a fight where it's like, you're, yeah, you're uh, taking shots at each other. I call those debates. Yeah. <laughs> Healthy debates. Debate, yeah, debate is also great. It's a form of argument, right? Like people argue, they debate, they have heavy conversation, heated conversation. But the fight is when you're really being mean and it's mm. not nice. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I think it's going to be really interesting because the world's opening back up and we're mm. uh, couples coming out of quarantine, if they are a little rocky and they're arguing and then they take that arguing out into public, it, it can get a little exhausting if you're a part of their friend group, right? And so, like, how do you, as a friend, maybe talk to one of your friends who's in this toxic situation being like, have you noticed all y'all do is argue? Is that their place? Should you even be doing that? Like, what should you be doing from the outside looking in? That's a great question. So arguing, uh, even fighting, they're very intimate things. Um, some people fight in public, and it's some form of, like, humiliation or degradation. That's one of the ways that their fighting isn't fair and is mean. And in that regard, that toxicity is sometimes a place for a friend or family member to say, hey, this isn't cool. They're really mean to you. That's that's not all right. Yeah. You know, we love you and this person isn't kind. But arguing in front of people is also very intimate. And some people, are, some cultures, some communities are comfortable with arguing in front of each other. Yeah. And others say, whoa, whoa, you got to do that in your own time in private. You know, like that's not something we do in front of each other. And it might not be you're concerned about that person, but more like, all right, like kind of save that for your own private space. So how do you know, besides that, what other things should people look out for to uh, know if they're arg- arguing or fighting is maybe not good? Or not okay. So if they're left in a place where they feel really down after an argument, that they feel really torn apart, that who they are, their character, their values were questioned in a way that was put down, not just question of like, you know, you say you have these values and you're not really acting them out and I'm confused and this is who I know you to be. Like that's a, that can be a loving conversation. But if you're left in a place that's like who I am is all wrong, um, that's one of the ways to know that what you just experienced was not likely just an argument. It was probably a fight. Yeah. Um, some people also get really quiet afterwards because they're just, it's kind of, they're injured. Silent treatment, and, yeah. Well, it's kind of, yeah, like silent treatment, and that's a form of withholding. Um, and again, it's not a fair fighting. It's not silent treatment is not the same as like, wow, that was a heavy conversation. I need to go take some time to cool down. Like, I love you. I'll be right back. Right. But, wow, I gotta go cool down. Right. That's a lot of love. Of like, I don't want to be mean here. I need to cool down. That's not the same as silent treatment. Silent treatment is like, I don't care. Too bad for you. I'm disappearing. What do you think people can learn about themselves and like when, you know, coming out of our how they argue? Like, I think that's really interesting to think about, like, especially coming into, you know, spaces where you're going to have more relationships or if you're in the situation now, how do you kind of reexamine and how should we be looking at the way we argue? Like, what are some red flags to know that we're in this toxic territory? 
how to know if you're being toxic in an argument. Yeah, yeah. Like if Ryan I'm wants to know. if I'm being the worst. <laughs> I, I mean, to be honest, I already know. I'm often the worst. I've done a lot of growing because yeah, yeah. the way I used to argue, okay. child, I'm going for the jugular. But that was only yeah. based out of fear and being off, like you know, my own insecurities and things like that. So for me, I had you, to learn I, that. I'll, I want to ask you, actually, how did you know that you were going for the jugular? Did you know you were, or did oh, somebody yeah. point it out to you? Well, I knew personally yeah. I was, but then when I would get into arguments with either friends or things like that, it would that would be some of their feedback. And mm. I think for me, it yeah. was based off of how I grew up. And like if I was in a mm-hmm. situation where I would get into arguments with either, if it was family members or friends, it was like, you got to do whatever you can to not, one, feel embarrassed and mm. feel like you got to hurt them before they hurt you right and so it was exactly. uh, it was kind of like a mechanism of me if I hit them in the juggler first then guess what ding yep. ding ding I won that round and so for me that right. was kind of that and I had to learn especially if I wanted to have more meaningful relationships and also give people a chance <laughs> to not automatically think that they're just awful people I had to I had to kind of re-examine and sometimes I fall in the category of like I don't want to say anything that I could be hurtful to. So for me, I'll go silent and be like, we couldn't discuss it later on. I just need a time to reflect before I say something that I don't want to say. Awesome. Right. And that's the answer, right? Like we know we're being mean most of the time. We know we're preemptively striking at somebody and they didn't even throw anything our way or that, you know what? Hi, you said this mean thing. Now I'm really going to get you. We know we're doing that for the most part. Yeah, don't. And we yeah. then know that we're we're crossing into territory mm-hmm. where our intention isn't to make the relationship better from this conversation. Mm. Our intention is to hurt the person. Oh mm. yeah, yeah, it's so true. Listen and have compassion, and just yeah, um, don't do those things. But thank you so much, Dr. Rosario Teresi, um, is a certified sex therapist, director of the Long Island Institute of Sex Therapy in New York. Hope to have you back. Let's talk about sex uh, anytime. next time. Take care. <laughs> you too. Now, coming up, are you using astrology to replace therapy? Why that might be an issue. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. While astrology can be fun and resonates with a lot of people, resulting in $2.2 billion spent on mystical services. $2.2 billion spent on all of that. It can also be an issue. Not always having the answers. And here to share more is Ida Mandalay, a licensed clinical social worker. Thanks for being here. No worries. Lovely to be with y'all. So talk about the need for astrology and specifically queer astrology and how it could be problematic. Gosh, there's so many reasons why people gravitate towards astrology. I'll sort of give you a little bit of a laundry list um, and then we can get into sort of the problematic aspects of it. So people in general, we're meaning making creatures, humans are storytellers, and we're really curious. And so anything that allows us to tell stories about ourselves, that allows us to describe ourselves, is really appealing to a lot of the human population. There's also an urge in a lot of humans to understand and organize ourselves and our world. And sort of giving people little boxes to fit into can be a way of both organizing our thoughts and our peoples, but also trying to spike find like-minded individuals. So there's, there's pieces here about finding community. There's pieces here about, you know, finding yourself, being able to talk about yourself and find your people. Um, and for a lot of people, you know, especially if we're comparing it to things like therapy, if there are avenues like some sort of, you know, some forms of organized religion or therapy, avenues that have been not helping you or you haven't found a place, 
for a lot of people, astrology promises a lot of healing or a lot of answers to big questions about life. And so those are just a few of the reasons a lot of people gravitate to it. Right. Um, but it can turn problematic sort of pretty quickly. You know, you just mentioned the, the many, many dollars that are behind this industry and, and not everyone is in it, you know, for the right reasons. Yeah, here's the thing that I, I, I really noticed when you said, you know, a lot of people go to astrology because oftentimes they've been in therapy sessions where the therapist has not been very queer focused or has said something to diminish their gender dysphoria or just diminish their identity. And so talk a little bit about that in the sense of people are really kind of running towards astrology because it's the only place they can go to feel safe where it seems like going to a therapist sometimes can be a hit or miss. The long history of therapy and psychiatry being absolutely terrible to queer and trans people. Honestly, the reason I became a therapist is because me and my friends and the people I was working with were having such a hard time finding competent therapists that would not bat an eye at our identities or that would actually be, you know, dare I say competent. And so there's a lot of trauma and there's a lot of reasons why a lot of folks just don't either don't want to go to therapy or don't believe in it or are scared of it. So there's a lot of good reasons. And because there's not necessarily that same amount of stigma or that same type of stigma around astrology for a lot of folks, and it is seen by some people as this kind of niche thing or this thing that's kind of special or interesting that can sort of create this perfect storm of these people didn't help me. Maybe this is going to be the answer instead. Yeah. And I feel like the other side to that is if you have still not dug into taking accountability, it's easy to lean on astrology for the answers. Absolutely. And again, you know, one of the things I said in that interview is that for some people, one of the problems arises when instead of using astrology as a way to be curious and expansive, as a way to be, you know, descriptive, not prescriptive, people start to actually stay really, really tightly in those boxes and not question them. So I have, like I said in that article, I have a lot of compassion for people who really deeply love and care about astrology. Like I use it with my clients, frankly, all the time. Um, and I see a lot of, a lot of value to it. But when we start again, making it into these tiny boxes that are, you know, grossly monetized by people who don't necessarily care about queer communities, especially then we get, to, we get to the problems like, Oh, this is, you know, this is just my Capricorn nature. No, it's not your Capricorn nature. It might be, you know, an abandonment issue that you have never worked on. And that's why you're, you know, X, Y, Z or not doing something. Um, and yeah. when we box it into, oh, this is just my nature or this is yeah. just my my star chart. We right. actually erase a lot of the complexity about it. Well, here's the thing. Where do people go if astrology they, astrology, they realize, okay, I am sick of the capitalistic exploitation that's kind of happening towards my community, but I still need a place where I can still feel where I'm like heard or I have some type of guidance. Where are we supposed to go? I'm a big fan of going to many places and not just one. So I'm not, I'm never going to tell someone you need to leave astrology behind. Never look at this again. I would actually just say diversify your portfolio of who you're listening to, yeah. right? So if you're listening to just one astrologer, what does it look like and what happens when you actually broaden out your search? When you either search out specifically queer folks or, you know, uh, people of other identities than the ones that are usually marketed. The other piece of advice that I would give is look at other ways of connecting, right? If you're interested in the stars, 
what are other ways that you can connect with stars and what they're doing? So for some people, that means paying attention to the lunar calendar. And there's already a lot of cultures and religions that pay attention to the lunar calendar. So for some people, this is like a neat uh, connection to their pre-existing culture. And so, okay, maybe what you're looking at is the lunar calendar, seeing what the cycles of nature are, what, how does that match with your own cycles of life? There's a lot that nature can teach us about adaptability and change and all these different things. So that would be my biggest piece of advice. Diversify the voices that you're listening to. Stay really curious and look at other ways of connecting with the things that drew you to this in the first place. So if it was the star part of it, if it was the way that this connected you to community, cool. Lean into that part of it because there's a lot of other ways that you can achieve any of those goals. Definitely. Well, that was, Ida, that was Ida Mandalay, licensed clinical social worker. Thank you so much for being here today. No problem. It was a pleasure. Now coming up on the show, imagine sending a nude to a member of your family. What happened to this person next and their family's surprising reaction? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so there is a TikToker named Kimberly who runs the account Excuse My Grandma. And she learned the lesson of, you know, texting texting uh, questionable pictures which she thought were going to someone special. They ended up going to her um, grandmother. And she learned this lesson the hard way when she did this, you know, because a lot of us, I don't know if you feel this way, Ryan. I worry when I text things, I always am like double, triple checking that I'm texting it to the right person. Because my (laughs) biggest nightmare is texting it to a friend. Like, I wouldn't... I wouldn't um, be what's uh, like worried if I texted to you or maybe Vanessa. Maybe sorry, this that would be inappropriate. But mm-hmm, if that at least I feel like I trust you. But there are certain friends that'd be like totally freaked out the fact that I texted them a questionable picture. Well, yes, yes. Uh, well, this uh, person Kimberly texted her grandmother, uh, and she was actually surprised by her grandmother's response. And this was an accident, of course. Her grandmother said, "You need new lingerie." because obviously her lingerie in the picture wasn't good. Uh, But Kimberly posted this whole back and forth text chain to TikTok and it went viral. And so a lot of people are just, uh, I guess, reacting to it and identifying with it because it's something that a lot of folks go through. Maybe they haven't texted their grandmother, but the worry of doing that. Has this been a worry for you, Ryan? Well, one, shout out to her grandmother for being honest, being like, girl, that laundry is not it. You need to get it together because if I had that body and I was your age, I would be better than you. Um, that's basically what grandma was saying. So that's awesome. Um, two, I would be, I, oh my God, actually, I have gotten so scared because I would be like sexting this guy and I would... I, like a text message from my mom would come in in the like this has happened uh-huh. once a text message from my mom would come in and I almost replied something like I, that I was sexting this guy to my mom and I had to make sure being like oh my god please no because one that is most definitely a boner killer oh my biggest worry I think the biggest worry would be would be like texting a guy that I'm in business with something by mistake I'd be texting my my boyfriend or my dad that is my biggest nightmare of I'm mistaken texting my dad That would be horrible. Oh, my God. Well, anyway, you can check out Kimberly and her grandmother because they do more content together on at at Excuse My Grandmother. 
at Excuse My Grandma, sorry. And they also co-host a podcast, Excuse My Grandma, where they discuss generational differences, dating, sex, and relationship through the lens of their own special relationship. I think this is so cute. So shout out to them. Yes, yes. I love this. This is a little cute little story. Yes. Uh, now coming up, we'll tell you more about the NFL's first active openly gay player that's next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show, stick around because we've got Ryan's interview with Demi Lovato. Yeah, me? Yeah, what was your favorite part? Oh my goodness, there was a lot of favorite parts to be honest, but um, I think my favorite part and kind of unexpected part was Demi opening up about the Froyo situation. Remember when... um, they went off on uh, a local LA frozen uh, frozen yogurt yeah. shop for, because of diet culture. Well, Demi had no problems with kind of reflecting on that, and I think her their reflections, excuse me, their reflections is so important on how they are moving forward in their lives and the importance of their podcast and why they even decided to do it. Yes. Yeah, so again, we have that conversation coming up on the show in fifteen minutes. Right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour. The Biden administration today announced further plans for sharing coronavirus vaccines with the world, but it's no longer immediately going to send doses of AstraZeneca's vaccine following problems at a production plant. The administration detailed plans for sharing 55 million doses with other countries, which will come entirely from the U.S. supply of three vaccines the FDA has cleared for emergency use. Now, this is some big news. Las Vegas Raiders defensive lineman Carl Nassib became the first active NFL player in history to announce that he is gay. An early yes, Queen. He posted this on his Instagram. I'm at my house in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say that I'm gay. I've been meaning to do this for a while now, but finally feel comfortable getting it off my chest. I really have the best life, the best family, friends, and job a guy can ask for. He added that he's a a pretty private person, so that... He hoped that people didn't think he was doing this for attention. He said, I just think that representation and visibility are so important. I actually hope that one day videos like this and the whole coming out process are not necessary. But until then, I will do my best and my part to cultivate a culture that's accepting and compassionate. Uh, he also announced in this that he's donating $100,000 to the Trevor Project, which is a nonprofit that focuses on suicide prevention programs for LGBTQ youth. Uh, Now, Texas child welfare workers and family courts will be required to consider additional medical opinions before taking children from parents in cases of suspected child abuse. And that's under a new law going into effect September 1st. We actually talked about this in a story a while back, right? I don't know if you remember uh, where kids are being taken from their parents without being told from doc by doctors who are just looking at the situation. Do you remember this? We had this was a long time ago. Anyway, oh, and at the time we were like, "This is crazy." <laughs> I'm gonna pretend like I do. I don't. No, I, we cover so much on a daily basis. We should replay this because it's it's pretty wild. The law, which was signed by Governor Greg Abbott, also orders a state commission to study the work of state-funded doctors who are tasked with diagnosing child abuse. Uh, The commission will propose improvements to the process that Texas Child Protective Services workers follow when relying on these doctors' medical reports. 
And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Yes, Rachel Lindsay, you know, the only black bachelorette, uh, is getting real about her experience with the Bachelor franchise. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So she opened up in an op-ed for the uh, for New York Magazine, um, basically talking about her time on The Bachelor and Bachelorette, recalling how she departed. Um, and she described it as being, as being exhausted from defending myself against a toxic fandom. Um, she really is having a moment where she said the franchise has spent 19 years cultivating a toxic audience. They have constantly given it a product it wants, a Midwestern, Southern, white, blonde, light-eyed Christian. Not all viewers are like that. Uh, she said, my higher learning um, co-host, which that's her podcast, she says, and I have divided it. There is a bachelor nation and there is a bachelor clan. Woo! Which is really intense to say. But I think that's really important. She says, um, she explains the Bachelor clan is hateful, racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, and homophobic. They are afraid of change. They are afraid to be uncomfortable. They are afraid when they get called out. Um, She just also talks even more in that op-ed. She talks about her experience of being the first black Bachelorette. She says she recalls her immediate reaction to being offered the, the lead role saying no because she didn't want to lose her identity. She said, I didn't want to be known as a reality TV star. I didn't want to lose respect in the workplace, Um, which is really interesting. She says, yes, it's a silly reality show, but how many people haven't haven't seen a positive representation of a black woman, someone who has the chance to be adored by men of all races, backgrounds, and professions? I thought maybe the moment was bigger than me. Wow. Um, I think she's really opening up in this in, in a really interesting way. And I, to be honest, she's not really saying anything about the Bachelor franchise that I didn't feel like I already knew. Um, but I do think she's talking more about her experience, especially, I'm going to tease this, with, um, what's his name, Chris Harrison. Because she has a lot to say about that and even her interview with him. So head over to WeirdChannelQ.com to check out the full conversation. And of course, let us know your thoughts. Keep the conversation going at LGT Show on social means. Well, Ryan, what, do you want to tease what's coming up? Oh, it's time. Yes. Okay, so we have Demi Lovato joining us. This is an amazing conversation where we're literally talking about what pride means to them, especially now that they are fully non-binary. And, of course, their podcast, 40 with Demi Lovato. We're getting into so much more. Stick around. This conversation is going to be really, really good. All right. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. So what's up, y'all? I'm Ryan Mitchell, and I am so excited to be chatting with, honestly, a childhood icon. And now we can basically call them a queer icon as well. Uh, Singer, actor, and activist Demi Lovato, welcome to Odyssey's Check-In. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you. How are you? I mean, I'm great. Like, honestly, this is a moment that I would have never in a million years thought I would be sitting down chit-chatting with you. You're so cute. (laughs) I mean, I really mean it. It's like, it's a a moment for me. And um, so I just just thank you for being here. But let's jump right into this, okay? Because I really want to talk about the birth of your new podcast right here on Odyssey, 40 with Demi Lovato. What were some of the first conversations that you had when you decided like, oh, I think I'm going to jump into the podcasting space? Well, you know, podcasting seems to be like the cool new thing, right? Everybody has a podcast. And so I thought, you know, uh, what is a cool way that I could continue my 
like self-exploration and this journey of self-development, uh, what better way to continue uh, through a podcast. And, you know, I just filmed my documentary and, and, and I wanted to, I thought what, if, if everybody has a podcast, what, what is going to set mine apart? And I thought, you know, I want to be having conversations that are going to help make this world a better place. And so whether it's trying to have important conversations that are raising the awareness about subjects that maybe people aren't talking enough about right now, or it's my ultimate mission, which is to have conversations that elevate humanity into the next dimension. That is what 4D is all about. No, because when I tell you, I was going to ask you, like, how did the inspiration behind that name even come up? Because 4D, one, it feels like it's a play on word because for and Demi Lovato, but it's also such a bigger picture moment where I'm like, how does that, like, how do you come up with something like that? <laughs> um, well, you know, honestly, we were talking about just what we wanted this podcast to be. And I, and I really do. I want to have conversations that are going to lift humanity into the next dimension and, and raise our frequency. And if that's through conversations that are about meditation or about expanding our consciousness, um, through, you know, divine wisdom and making contact with extraterrestrials then so be it. And, and those, and then obviously it kind of was just like, Oh wait, that's actually kind of perfect. Cause the four and, you know, D in your name. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's go for it. So when it's right, it's right. Right. <laughs> like it, it just feels like the pieces all fell in line. And I, I love that so much, especially on the alien tip. Like, I feel like we can have a full on other conversation about that because okay. that's my stuff. Those, those, those episodes uh, we have to schedule, but yes, they will be coming up. <laughs> so you've always been the one getting interviewed. So how does it feel jumping into the driver's seat, asking the question? So was it like harder than you thought? It was definitely harder than I thought. I, I kind of was like expecting to just jump into it and kind of find a groove. But um, the first day, luckily I was on with uh, my good friend, Alok Vaidmanan, and we had a conversation about something that was really passionate, that I'm really passionate about and, and that they're passionate about as well. But that is um, gender identity. I, I just spoke from my heart and that's what made kind of the rest, uh, fall into place. And, and it's just been, it's been an incredible learning experience. Yeah. I think that's what you feel when you're listening to these conversations. They feel so intimate. I feel like I'm getting a piece of you that I'm like, am I supposed to even have this? Right. And I think that's what a lot of the listeners, they really get a peek into the, what your world looks like. Why was that so important for you? I'm a very passionate person and I'm very outspoken about a lot of things that I believe in. And I feel like sometimes my message gets lost in translation when uh, over text, uh, whether it be on Instagram or Twitter or whatever. Like I, I find that when people can, when I'm able to show the world my heart, it shows that my intention is coming from a pure place. And so I wanted to have conversations that like showed people, you know, I really am invested in making this world a better place, making it a more loving place, a more compassionate place. And, um, and I feel like this platform provides me 
a stage to talk about the things that I'm passionate about in a way where you can see that it's never coming out of malice. It's never coming out of hate. It is just coming out of a place of wanting to make the world a better place. I think oftentimes when you're in the midst of the storm and like people are coming at you and you're like, my intentions were so good. It kind of makes you want to take a seat back. It's like, maybe I shouldn't have been even into this conversation. So how did you continue to feel like, oh, I need to keep pushing on. I need to find better ways to educate myself or find better ways to, to make sure my message is getting across in a way where I'm still bringing awareness to things that are important for me. Well, we're all works in progress, right? If, if we're, if we're doing our part to make this world a better place by educating ourselves on um, on topics that we, you know, need to to be less ignorant about. Every time I've made a statement um, over Instagram or Twitter, it's kind of I felt like it's gotten lost in translation a little bit. And um, I, I had an experience in like May or April, um, and and I feel like I was you know, it was me talking about something I was very passionate about pertaining to the diet culture. And, and I realized that, um, yeah, because I was so passionate, I let my emotions get the best of me. And it, it it didn't allow me to explain where I was coming from um, as easily as it would have been on a podcast. And so I just thought, you know, I, going forward, I want to have conversations where people can see uh, my face, they can, they can hear my voice and they can see that, um, that I'm still learning as well as the rest of the world. I'm no means an expert on, on many, many things, right. But I'm willing to learn about it and I'm willing to continue to have conversations that either educate me or others on how to make this world a better place. How has your definition of transparency kind of changed over the years, especially with you being in the spotlight? Do you feel like you've grown to become more open or are you picking and choosing what the world is getting of you now? Because I, I feel like you, you put yourself out there and, and that can be really draining when people are just pulling you from every direction. It is really draining um, if, if you don't have a good support system in place. And luckily, I have not only an incredible support system put in place, but a great structure around me. So my weeks still have a good amount of structure in them to where my downtime is scheduled, my work time is scheduled, and I'm able to balance everything well because of the parameters I've put in place for myself. And I I think it's important that I, I never lose that transparency with my fans because that's what has brought me so close to them. You know, it, me being able to have conversations with them about what they're really going through or keeping that line of communication open is important to me. Um, just so that I'm, I'm constantly hearing feedback from them and, and yeah, you know, I do pick and choose a little bit more. Um, I try to limit you know, my exposure so that I'm not all in your face, Um, (laughs) but but just enough to where I still feel like I have a a pulse on what's going on in in the world and, and my career. You know, I know it's hard to choose, but can you spill a little tea on any future conversations on the podcast that you're very excited for everyone to hear? Like a good one. Give me, don't give me no like little superficial. Give me a juicy one. (laughs) <laughs> Let me see one. 
Oh man. Um, trying to think, well, I had, I had one today and, uh, today, today's was with another artist who I actually uh, grew up listening to and idolized myself. And so being able to have a conversation with her about the music industry, uh, how being told to soften our, yeah, our opinions, things we were passionate about, how it affected our personal lives, how we translated that into our personal lives. And, um, and so that was a really interesting conversation. And I'm, I'm really glad that I got to, to have that. So, and, and there's more conversations coming too. You know, I want to, I want to expand, um, I want my audience to be able to learn more. And so whether it's talking to experts on or different experts on different topics, like maybe that comes more into play too. Yeah. I think that's so important. And, and also this just feels like so healing this process for you. I just see it on you. Right. I, I, I see like, it feels like you're going through kind of your own personal therapy session where you're being validated. You're, you're he- like hearing similar situations. Like has that feeling kind of popped up for you throughout this process of just healing? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I feel like every day that I come into my little podcast room, my shroom room, um, you know, every day I learn something new and it's, it's beautiful. And it's just given me a whole new passion um, in my career to look forward to, you know, it's, I got so used to making music and, and making work for other people to enjoy. And I sometimes lost the beauty of creating something with someone, you know, like these conversations where I'm learning something new every day. It's just an an exciting new chapter in my career. Oh, I love that. I mean, seriously, everybody, if you're not checking out 4D with Demi Lovato, you're missing out. You're only getting half the story. Um, But let's talk pride season because I I feel like we tackled it so much already. But let's talk pride season. I can only imagine pride meaning so much to you, especially with the, you know, you're announcing your non-binary pronouns. Like, what does this time mean for you? Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. You're so sweet. And I noticed you used them earlier and I really appreciate that. I don't, I don't play no games. I, I do a lot of consulting work with Glad, And so like, I, I, I'm, I'm just so happy that we're, we have someone like you in the spotlight and mm-hmm. I was like, I want, you know, to respect it. It's, it's so important. Thank you. Well, you know, it's, it's very important to me as well. And over the past year and a half, I've been, since I've learned about gender identity more, um, and, and learning about being non-binary or gender non-conforming. I've, I've used this time to really explore what feels right to me. And after a year and a half of exploration, I realized it was time to let the world know, um, that it feels weird to me when I get called a she or her. And, you know, I understand that, um, that, people might have a hard time adjusting to it because it is something new, but, um, you know, I, I want to encourage people to keep trying and that, um, I understand that it's a, it's a process to get used to. Sometimes I still mess up myself, but it's okay. And, and I'm still every day stepping more and more into the identity that, that feels right to me, which is my pronouns being they, them. 
Yeah. How has your family adapted to your new pronouns? Because I, that's the thing where it's like friends and family, the people you're always around. Mm-hmm. It's like, do they have to snap out of it and remember sometimes? You know, my family has done an incredible job, actually. I, I've i noticed, especially my, my older sister, Dallas, um, you know, I've noticed them I mean, and see, I called her the. I've noticed her using them and and they and and it just it's it's it like really does warm my heart up that that people are trying and my friends have had like a, a little harder time to get used to actually just because I think like your friends are the ones that you're more likely to be like bitch you know like like you know and so. I'm like, look, you can still call me bitch. Like that, that is going to have to be, you know, and there are times where I might have to choose. Like I had this conversation with someone. I was like, oh no, am I, I was in Texas and I was like, does that make me a cow girl or a cow boy? And I was like, I don't want to be a cow human. So I'm just going to go with cow girl. (laughs) I mean, I think cow human sounds really chic. So maybe I can get used to it. Yeah. You better move your way through life. I love that. I love it. Speaking of kind of your friends and, and, and chosen family, it feels like you've kind of always had that around you. Um, but I wonder, especially coming out of quarantine, did the way you define chosen family change over time? Yes. I used to identify family as blood related. And now my queer family is, has become more of family than friends, you know? And, and I feel like I now have two families. I have my, my blood relatives and then I have my queer family. And, and that family to me is, is the chosen family that my soulmate looks different than your typical soulmate. My soulmate is my best friend, Matthew Scott. And him and I, um, have never been romantic and never will be, but the, like that is my person, you know what I'm saying? And so my ideas and, uh, perspectives have totally shifted as I've gotten older. And since I found a safe place to be myself. Oh, that That's beautiful because for me, you know, growing up in the South, very religious, like, like literally I'm from Nashville and growing up in that space, there was so much that I had to reframe, relearn, redefine for myself that was so negative and internalized that I, I, I'm happy that my queer and ch- family, you know, my chosen family was just there for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to ask you, how are you going to be celebrating pride through, you know, outside of June? I just feel so, so happy to be a part of such a loving month. And it's so cool that uh, it's just this month of celebration of love. And, and, and so I, whatever I can do to continue that outside of June, you know, whether it's spreading love to strangers on the streets or just carrying more joy into my life on a daily basis rooted from self-acceptance, you know, that I think is is crucial to, to continuing this happiness outside of the month of June. I just want to say thank you so much um, for, for joining. As I know you are very busy. We really, really appreciate you 
uh, checking in with us here at Odyssey. And seriously, obsessed with you. Love you, love you, love you. Yeah, love you. Seriously, this conversation has been beautiful. And thank you for sharing and just being here with me in this moment. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Thank you for having me. Of course. And everyone, make sure to check out 40 with Demi Lovato right here on the Odyssey app. Bye, y'all. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up our show with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. Oh, I couldn't do it today. You did it. It was a good attempt. (laughs) Now, weightlifter Laurel Hubbard will become the first transgender athlete to compete at the Olympics after being selected by New Zealand for the women's event at the Tokyo Games. The 43-year-old will be the oldest lifter at the Games and had competed in men's weightlifting competitions before transitioning in 2013. Now, she said this in a statement. I'm grateful and humbled by the kindness and support that has been given to me by so many New Zealanders. And, of course, this has made national headlines. So congrats to Laurel Hubbard on uh, this huge accomplishment and historic one. Yeah, it's so important to continue to see representation like her in this way. I mean, a weightlifter honestly had no clue what that even meant before this story. But it's really, really cool to see her taking up space and creating such, I mean, creating history at this point, Mm -hmm. right? And so um, she deserves this, yes, Queen. And and also to all of the conversation that is happening right now with trans folks in sports, this is right on time. And I I think it's incredible that we get to to see this story and and get to, you know, give her her flowers. Which is also a yes, Queen, uh, just an additional one, goes to Shikari Richardson, who earned the 100-meter, uh, which is like a runner, like running, you know, the 100-meter run, <laughs> which I didn't know what it was until I saw these incredible uh, viral moments that were coming out of the uh, Olympic trials as well that she was part of. So a lot of trans women making history right now. And that does it for our Yes, Queen of the Day on our show today. Yes, Queen. Coming up on tomorrow's show... We continue to be here live, by the way, weekdays here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. We have Parson James joining us. Yes. Oh, my God. I love Parson returning back on the show. It's going to be amazing. He has some new music coming out and some new music out now that we should all be supporting. So stick around and stay tuned because it's going to be good. Yep. Plus, of course, we'll be bringing you what's trending this hour, the tea report, and so much more on the show. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. And stick around for Loveline with Dr. Chris where he's covering how to find a new career. That's Mm -hmm. next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey.